Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. In 2006, there was a movie that came out about a guy's life um, named Chris Gardner. And every time I see this on TV, like there are moments I'm like, hey, I want to take in a little bit of this movie because it's based on a true story and that's always the hook for me. Now, I'm not going to lie, certain parts in this movie, there's some Pastor Scott moments that comes out, which means I can't help sometimes when the tears begin to come. You know, it's one of those movies where uh, it gets me sometimes. And, and the movie is titled Pursuit of Happiness. All right, have you ever seen that movie, Pursuit of Happiness? Will Smith plays Chris Garner, and it's about a dad, which that's, that's where it gets me, right? Like, I love being a dad, that's where it gets me. But a dad who's, who's really struggling to, to provide for his wife and his child. And there's, there's, there's great moments and there's, there's sad moments. You know, there's ups and down moments. But there's this moment in the movie where Chris Garner catches a break. And he catches a break because he is um, unexpectedly invited to become an intern at this financial institution. Now, the goal is to get a job at the end of this internship, but there's only one job, and there's so many other people. There's so many other people that are younger than him. There's so many other people that, that, that can get this, and the odds are totally against him, but he fights. He fights, and he fights, and he works, and he works, and he works, and he does things that these other people aren't willing to do. And there's this climactic moment when the executives of the company bring him in and they look at him and they say, this wasn't easy, we know. They look at him and say, this wasn't expected. But you got the job. And in this moment, you see the, the joy that comes over his face. You see the excitement. You, you see, even as he walks out, the tear that rolls down his eye. And then Pastor Scott's tear rolls down his eye because I'm pumped. So I'm thinking of this guy, Chris Gardner, who, who finally made it. Everything he wanted, the desires, and, and while he gave to this, it finally happened. You know, this movie is, of course, well, the title of it is based off the words from Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. You, you know these words, right? Like, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these things are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These have become cornerstone words for our country. This, this has become what we eventually call the American dream, that you can pursue this in life. And for many people, this pursuit consumes them. For many people, this pursuit of happiness is what life ends up being about. How can I be happy? It's what I wake up in the morning hoping I can have, and at night just wishing for more that I could be happy about. Pursuit of happiness. But what if I said this morning, 
If I made the argument this morning that this is a great ideal for a country, but it does not align with a follower of Jesus. Well, I said this, this is great for a country to want to pursue this, and people, I get it, and the words are powerful, but it does not align. This pursuit does not align with the follower of Jesus, or maybe I could say it this way. A pursuit of happiness falls way short of what God actually has, what Jesus actually has for our lives. That what he wants us to fight for, what he wants us to desire, is something way more than happiness. That happiness is settling. See, last week we started a new series of teaching, and, and, and I told you it lasts for several weeks, and you see that it's titled Anchored. And I, want, and I want to go back to what this conversation is about. If you, maybe, maybe you missed last week. What did I say about this title and why it was titled this? We need to find anchors because we all drift in life. And our drifting always takes us in spaces and places we never expected to be or shouldn't be. Because of our sin... We are a broken people, and so we drift towards more brokenness when we don't intentionally make decisions about life. And so last week I said, what is our number one anchor? I began our year. Number one anchor, if you missed it, you can go back, but number one anchor is that we need to be anchored to, some, to a truth that's greater than ours. We need to be anchored to a truth that's stronger than ours. We need to be anchored to a truth that comes from the one that created everything, including you and I. So our first anchor last week was God's truth, his scripture to us. This is the primary way God speaks to us. This is how we get our boundaries, our margins, our guidance, our direction in life. This is God's word to us to build a relationship with us and help us walk through life. If we decide to not make this truth foundational in our lives, then it's impossible to not drift. And what we'll do is we'll drift into places um, like, like uh, whatever our feelings are that day, whatever the season of our life is that day, we're going to drift into whatever cultural moments say this is what truth is. We will give authority on what truth is to someone else or something else. So we need an anchor to hold us tight. We need an anchor that is solid. We need an anchor that doesn't move with life. It is always there. It is our foundation. And when that becomes our anchor, we can flourish in life. When that becomes our anchor, we can weather whatever storms come our way. So that was our conversation last week. Well, I started today with this conversation about pursuit of happiness and how it's settling for less. If my argument is correct, that pursuit of happiness is settling for less, then what is it that Jesus actually wants us to pursue? Well, then let's go to what Scripture says. What, what, is, what does Jesus say about this? And today, what we're going to do is we're going to start in the book of James. So if you want to go in the book of James, your phones, your Bibles, will always be on the screen. But I'll give you a moment. We're going to go look. And where I want to start today is almost... 
start where we ended last week and move into today's topic. So James chapter 1. We'll move in a couple places today. James chapter 1, verse 22. This is what it says. Do not merely listen to the word. Okay, that's where we are last week, right? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that's our word, that gives freedom. There's the big word. That gives freedom and continues in it. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in all that they do. This is my argument for today, for the second week of Anchored. Jesus' desire for us in life is not for us to be happy. His desire is for us to be free. Hear me. Settling for happiness in life, having a pursuit towards happiness in life sounds good on the surface. And there's nothing wrong with being happy. I want to be happy, all right? But the pursuit of happiness as our ultimate goal is fine for a country, we'll say, but it does not align with what Jesus has for us. What he has for us is freedom. This is the, I'm going to make the argument today that this is the number one thing that he wants for you in your life. Why do I say that? Well, let me go to a moment in Jesus' life. Now we're going to skip from James. We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, okay? So once again, if you've got your Bibles, your phones, we're going to jump to the Gospel of Luke. And what I'm going to read are Jesus' words that, for me, back up this argument. Ready? Luke 4, verse 14 through 19. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, let me set up what's happening right here. If you read right before this, Luke tells us that Jesus is coming out of the wilderness. And if you remember what he's doing in the wilderness, he's in the wilderness because he's going through this time of temptation, this fasting and temptation where the enemy comes after him and tries to tempt him to get off his mission, all right? He comes out of the wilderness and he begins to speak all over the place. And as he speaks, people begin to buy in. It says everybody is praising and everybody's liking what he is teaching, 
And so he goes back to his hometown, Nazareth. He goes back to the people he saw growing up. He goes back to the people that know him. He goes back and he finds the place of worship, which is synagogue for them. And he goes into the synagogue. Now, what would have happened in the synagogue is that typically the, the priest or the, the leader there would have taken out the scroll, would have read it, and then given a thought there would be discussion in this. And, and I tell you this time, when we take our trip to Israel, we go to a place where you see one of these synagogues in, in Magdala, actually, and um, where Mary Magdalene's from. And um, because it was just found maybe 20, 25 years ago, um, it was under a rock slide, and it's preserved uh, once the, uh, they found this, and you see still the mosaic flooring, and you see where they would have taught and read the scroll right in the middle with seats all around it, and there had been discussion that went on that day. Well, this is what Jesus did. He steps up. He goes into the middle of where this would have been, and he, and he reads this portion of Isaiah. This is not by accident. I would say anything Jesus does is not by accident, but this reading is not by accident. He's reading a prophecy. He's reading a conversation. He's reading a writing that Isaiah wrote about the one that was to come. And in this moment, Jesus is declaring two things to these people. One is that he comes empowered or anointed by the Holy Spirit. But he also tells them he came to set the people free. Now, if you know this story, what happens right after the story? He, he's basically speaking the words, and he's talking about himself, and the people are like, are you saying what we think you're saying? You're not the Messiah that's come. You're not the one we've been waiting for. You're Jesus. You're the little boy that grew up here. You're the son of Mary and Joseph. You aren't that, that person. And so they moved to do what? You remember? They moved to throw him off a cliff. They moved to kill Jesus because they say he's being blasphemous. But here's my argument in Luke. Luke writes this on purpose. Luke, I think, is writing this as Jesus' first message. Like, this is his first teaching that he actually writes down. And what I think he's writing is a declaration of Jesus saying, this is why I have come. This is my mission. This is why I'm here. This is who I am, which is a person which is sent by the Father, anointed or empowered by the Spirit to set people free. He's being very clear He's almost making an announcement. I've arrived, and here is my mission. Now let's stop in this moment. This story, this moment, uh, is only written in the Gospel of Luke. Okay, It's not in Matthew, Mark, or John. It's only written in the Gospel of Luke. And if you read this, if you're doing a Bible study, the question I want you to ask in this moment is, wait a minute. Why is it only written in Luke if this moment is so big? Why is it written in the other Gospels? So that's what I asked myself this week. It's what I look into this week. Why is this the only place? Well, I would remind myself, and I have to remind you this morning, that every author, every writer had a purpose and an audience. 
We've talked before about Matthew. He wrote his gospel, and his gospel was primarily for the Jewish people. It's why he starts out with genealogy and goes, look at all the people who come. And this is where Jesus plays out in the story. So he has his audience, and he has his purpose. Mark writes all kinds of stories about what Jesus did. He's like, he's like, um, like just rapid fire. He wants to show Jesus is different. Look what Luke has his purpose, has his audience. Also, each writer and author have their personal experience and their influences. These are real people. 20-second timeout. This is why sometimes I'll say to you, hey, we're about to read this. Let's leave our seat in Tuscaloosa and let's try to mentally engage with where we're going because these are real people in real life history. They came before us, but they're part of our story. These aren't just, it's not just like the Bible or, okay, the Bible. These are real people walking through the story of God and his redemption of people. Luke is a real person. He has his personal experiences. He has his influences. So let's look at Luke. Luke is different than Matthew and John will say. He's not one of the 12 disciples. He may even be different than Mark, that Mark was like a really early follower, and did Luke come a little bit after? Luke may be, may be, I'm not saying for sure, but may be the only Gentile to actually write in Scripture. People, some people make that argument. Luke was a physician. Luke did his research. Luke had conversations. Luke had influences like Mary. How did I know Mary was an influence on him? Where do we read at Christmas time the Christmas story? He gives Mary's firsthand account of the angel coming. He gives the birth story of Jesus. This is what we read just like a month ago, right? Luke is a, he had to talk to Mary. Another big influence Luke had was Paul. Paul was an infant. We see this in the book of Acts. Eventually, in the book of Acts, it moves from like telling a story to firsthand account, starting in verse, chapter 15, 16, somewhere in there, I forget. But, um, he was, a, he was an influence in Luke's life. Now, why do I tell you all this? One, I, I just like for us to have the bigger picture of the Bible. I think it's really good for us to understand versus plucking it out. But why do I tell you this? Is it possible that Luke writes about this idea of freedom being such a big deal in the life mission of Jesus because he was influenced by Paul, who Paul makes a very big deal about freedom in what Jesus came to give his people. Because Paul writes this all over the place. One place we see this most clearly is when he writes a letter to a church in a place called Galatia. We know this book as Galatians, all right? He writes to them, and if you want to go there again, we're going along again, Galatians chapter 5, if you want to skip ahead to us again. We see that Paul, not only Luke, not only Jesus, Paul carries this on, that freedom is a big deal that Jesus came to bring. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Can I read to you? It is for freedom's sake that we are set free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. 
And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, pause. Paul is known as the evangelist to the Gentiles. A couple more nuggets here. For you to see, Paul and Peter actually have some battles sometimes because Paul feels called to be the evangelist to the Gentiles. And who are the Gentiles? Me and you. Okay, he's the evangelist to the Gentiles. And he goes on his teaching right below that verse 1, trying to help people see that Jesus has come to set them free as Gentiles. It's not about the laws and the customs, the religion, of what the Jewish people, and he specifically talks about circumcision right under this. He says, it is something new that Jesus has set you free for. And so Galatians 5 verse 13 through 17 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will destroy each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires was contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. What is Paul's message here? Jesus has come to set you free so you don't have to continue to live in the flesh, but you can live in the Spirit. Jesus has come to give you more than happiness. Jesus has come to get, set you spiritually free while you live on this earth. Hear me. Why I tell you those sequence of events, why I start with Luke and I come to, um, to Galatians and it's so many other places, because what I want us to see this morning, this country, while we love it and we're blessed by it, sells us something less than Jesus wants us to have, okay? We can wake up in the morning and pursue happiness, which will lead us down one road. Or we can pursue what Jesus has for us, which is his freedom, which leads us down another road. And we get to choose which life we're going to go after, which life we're going to pursue, which life is it that we want. That freedom is there and available to us because God has sent Jesus and he's given us the spirit that we can live a different life. What is that life? Well, one person said it this way. Freedom in Christ is not the right to do what we want, but the ability to do what we ought. Without Christ, we are slaves to sin, unable to do what is right. But Christ's death on the cross set us free from the penalty and the power of sin. So it's simply this. We need to be anchored to the freedom that Jesus came to give. This is my argument this morning. This is what I want to bring to you this morning is that a pursuit of happiness is letting us down. That, but we can be anchored to the freedom that Jesus came to give us. Which brings me back to this idea of drifting. I will say this, and I'll continue to say this through this series, that we have 
to have anchors in our life or we will drift. We will drift into places that will destroy us. We'll be drift into places that are too consuming, too big for us. They will bring destruction in our life. But freedom in Christ gives us an anchor where we can find spiritual victory in life. Freedom does this. But what is it free from? I want to say today, this freedom that Jesus came to give is more than just salvation. It starts with salvation, and as the person said, that this, the death and the penalty of sin, but it's freedom from so many other things that this life, and I think the enemy, tries to bring on us. I don't know what you need freedom from, but there are freedoms where people are consumed by fear. And Scripture tells us that fear should not, does not need to consume a follower of Jesus. You can be set free from fears. For others, someone else that may be set free from a past decision that you're still holding on to, that you've been forgiven for, but you still hold on to. And Jesus says, I want to set you free from that. From somebody else, it's maybe just insecurity in life. And Jesus has come to set you free from insecurity because you think it's all on you and you don't think you're enough. And Jesus goes, no, you can be secure because it's not about you. It's about me who lives through you. You don't have to live insecure. I want to set you free. For some others, it may be a bondage to sin. There may be a habit, there may be something that's grabbed a hold of your life and Jesus is like, I want to set you free from that. You don't have to continue to live in the destructive habit of that sin. For someone else, that may be the, an anger. And we get angry for all kinds of reasons, but we live with a deep-seated anger all the time. And Jesus comes, I want to set you free from that. For others, it may be resentment. Resentment because of something someone did. Resentment just because life has hurt you. And Jesus is like, I want to set you free from this thing you're holding on to and really the thing that's holding on to you. Pains in life. This world will bring us pain, and this pain can either destroy us, or we can be set free in Jesus from having to live in that pain every single day. Jesus says, I've come to set you free, and that freedom is broad, and it's deep, and it's healing, and it's hopeful, and it's for us. This was his purpose. When he is in that synagogue speaking that day to those people, they get angry, but it's because they don't see he really is the one that God has sent to bring freedom to the people. They miss it that day. They don't receive it that day. I think Jesus is declaring his mission. He's declaring why he's come. He's declaring it's greater than anything you can pursue in your life. But you can reject it, push it away, 
or you can be open to this idea. But how is freedom experienced? Because for some of you, I don't know your church background, I don't know your upbringing, I, this idea of even freedom seems like, ah, it's, it, it seems a bit weird. Even the idea of the Holy Spirit seems like, how do I, how do, I do this? How do I live in this? Well, maybe you need to write these things down. How do we experience freedom? Well, the first thing, we experience spiritual freedom by accepting Jesus as our Savior. Listen, and that may seem very Sunday school, but I'll tell you, I will tell you that sometimes we have to go back to the basic thing of why haven't I been experiencing freedom in my life? Maybe I haven't accepted the fullness of Jesus as my Savior for all things in my life. Hear me on this. Jesus, for some people, may be my ticket to heaven, not my savior for everything in life. That he is the one that has come to, to, to be my savior for every facet of my life, not just my future in heaven, but he's my savior for my past and my present and then my future. John chapter 8, it says... Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It has to start with Jesus. That spirit, get this, spiritual freedom outside of Jesus is not possible. Freedom outside of Jesus is not possible. He's telling these people... When you are my disciples if you take my word that goes back last week you take my word and actually live it out in this you will know truth which is his word and him as a person and this will set you free you will be able to live in freedom how do i experience it it has to start with jesus the second thing is we have to accept and obey god's truth it goes back to last week, but I got I to gotta maybe two weeks just pound this one in a little bit. James, where I read James today, right? James, at the beginning, you remember what he said? Don't deceive yourself. Don't miss this. You've got to see the word, and you've got to obey the word. And then what happens? What did he say? You will live in freedom. If you see the word and obey the word, freedom is able to be experienced. Spiritual freedom outside the obedience to his word is not possible. Jesus came to set us free. I'm making the argument that's his mission. But outside of obeying his word, we cannot experience what he came to do. It's not possible. And third, how do we experience it? By allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us not to live in our flesh. This is what Paul says. 
allowing the Holy Spirit, meaning we surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit. If we continue to read in Galatians chapter 5, it would give a list of if you live in the flesh, this is what it looks like, and it's all the things we'd expect. And he goes, but living in the Spirit looks like this. And he gives a contrasting picture. You live in the flesh, it's going to look like this, but if you live in the Spirit, everything changes. And if you want to experience the freedom in Jesus, we have to, I mean, if you want to experience the freedom that Jesus came to bring, we have to accept Jesus as our Savior. We have to be willing to see the Word and obey the Word, and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to overcome the flesh. And, people, and many people, this idea, once again, of the Holy Spirit, well, how does this work? I think it's really simple. Hear me. It's surrendering to God and saying, God, you have my life. I invite you to be present in my life. And what comes of this is a guidance and a conviction and a power. Jesus began his, this, this is really big. Jesus began his teaching in Luke by saying, I'm here anointed or empowered by the Holy Spirit. Hear me on this. Jesus, and this is, there's a Trinity conversation in this I can't get into today, but Jesus makes it clear he's able to do what he's doing because the Spirit has anointed him. If you want to be able to live in everything Jesus has for you, then you need to have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in you as well. You cannot do this on our own because it goes back to we are broken. We're, our flesh is broken and we'll always drift to more brokenness. But when we allow the Spirit to anchor us in life, freedom is experienced. A new life is experienced. And we then get to be forever with Jesus, walking through life now and in eternity. That the enemy from the very beginning of our scripture came to Adam and Eve and said, don't trust the word that God gave you. And when they went against it, they ended up living in a bondage and a sin that God never wanted for them. But, but they chose a different direction. There was freedom in the garden as long as they surrendered themselves to God. The moment they didn't, they experienced a different life. And for us, many times we do this as well. And I think that's another reason. Luke tells us about this. He says, there's more for us. There is freedom there available for us, but it's found in Jesus. It's found in obedience to his word and it's saying, Holy Spirit, please empower me so I don't live in the flesh. I want to find spiritual freedom. And there are things in this room and there are things online today, people watching, that you are not living in freedom from. Let's just admit this right now. There are things that have captured you. There are fears, there are pains, there are past, there are decisions, there's securities, there's resentments, there's all the things I said, and many more. And Jesus says, I want to I change your life. I got more for you. Peter's telling the, I mean, Paul's telling the church in Galatia, there's more for you. Jesus came to set you free and in his it's not just for the Jews it's for the Gentiles he has come to set everybody free but you got to do it the way he tells you to do it 
So today, the invitation to you is maybe for you it's accepting Jesus. You need to accept Jesus. You need to accept Jesus as the Savior. You need to accept that his death and resurrection is the only way to experience everything God's created you for. It's found in Jesus. For other people, maybe it's you are not being obedient to the word that God has given you, and you need to get obedient today. I've got to get obedient today because freedom is found in the obedience to the word of God. Or third, maybe it just be we need to have a prayer of God, will you allow your Holy Spirit to empower me so that I don't continue to fail in my flesh, but I will find victory in your spirit. So that's invitation today. Maybe today, as I, when we pray and we worship, that this altar is open. Maybe you turn your seat into an altar. But for you, you want to accept Jesus. It's as simply as, forgive me. I believe you died for me, and my life is yours. For you, it's asking for forgiveness. I have not been obeying your word. I want to obey your word. Maybe it's, Holy Spirit, be powerful in my life. I surrender myself. Whatever it is, there's more for us. Luke told us, Paul told us, Jesus said he came to do it, but how do we receive it? So, Heavenly Father, your word's been spoken today. But it's obedience to your word. It's surrendering to you that changes everything. Just knowing your word doesn't change anything. It's us surrendering. So if there is something in here today that needs to be, freedom needs to be experienced by your people, I pray your Holy Spirit would move. I pray we would receive your son, Jesus. I pray we would be obedient. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit moves the way we see Holy Spirit move in Scripture. Because we are a surrendered people. Wanting your Holy Spirit to empower us to live victoriously. Will you point us to areas where we need to be set free so that we can live life in a relationship with you and, and, and be able to declare that we are yours. All of us are yours forever, God. So speak to your people and I'll trust that we will listen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.